Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Crosspoint Podcast. And please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd love to have you join us in person at 10 a.m. this Sunday at Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. You can also connect with us online at frbc.com. Thanks again for checking us out and enjoy the episode. But 1 Peter chapter number 3 is where we're going to be uh, today. And I want you to look at verse number 8 is where we will begin reading. Verse number 8. I love this passage um, simply because I think it kind of hits a little bit of everything. If you actually start a look at the beginning verses, it begins with some husband and wife counsel. In fact, that's kind of what drew me toward this uh, this weekend as we were at couples retreat. Uh, one of the devotions was from First Peter chapter number three that was in our um, in our handouts, and so um, I was reading through it and I thought, now, wow, this actually has a lot to do with our series, and so I kind of changed gears in the in the middle of the week. But First Peter chapter three. Verse number eight, as we get down through it, uh, he says this. He goes through a list of commands for the husband and the wife, but then he says in verse number eight, Finally, be ye all of one mind. So now he's transitioned from talking to husbands and wives to now he's talking to everyone. He says, Be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing, which that's a great verse, knowing that ye are thereunto called that ye should inherit a blessing. So let's just stop right there. This isn't a part of the lesson. This is extra, all right? But he says this. He says, don't render, don't give back, don't pay back bad things that happen to you or railings or, or, or hurt. Don't trade hurt for hurt. He says, rather, in fact, if you're hurt, give blessing back. If you've received something wrong, then give blessing back. And here's the reasoning why. I love when the Bible gives a reason, because sometimes what's the big claim of our generation? Oh, Christianity is so legalistic, because it just gives you the, it just gives you the what, and it never gives you the why. That, that's so not true, first of all, okay? But here he gives you the why. He says, why? Because you have inherited a blessing. You've been blessed, so give it on to someone else, because he says you've received an eternal blessing. Blessing And so verse number 10, For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips, that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto the prayers, unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And who is he that will harm you if ye be followers of that which is good? But and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. And be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is, with, that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience, that whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers, that they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. In verse number 17, For it is better... If the will of God be so that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. That ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. I want us to spend the last couple of minutes here in this series just answering the question of have you 
been changed or are you changed? What's the litmus test for actually being changed? And are we there? Are, have, have we gotten there? And I don't, let me just say that I don't think that it will be the result of a series on change, okay? I think that change is something that occurs slowly and methodically and over a period of time in the life of a Christian. We've all heard it said that the Christian life is not a sprint, it's a marathon. Truth is, is you could probably take that and you could multiply it and you could say that the Christian life is not a sprint, it's an Ironman. Like it, it's, a, it's a triathlon. It's something that it, it's over the long haul, not just over the short finish. And so for us as Christians, what we must constantly evaluate is have I been changed? Am, am I different? And if I'm not, what is God doing in my heart and in my life right now at this moment? Let's pray and we'll ask the Lord to help us. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I'm so thankful just for the chance you've given us to be in your word. Lord, you know that right now in my life, the consistency of your word and your faithfulness seems to be something that I am becoming much more reliant on. And I'm thankful for that. And so, God, I ask you to help me to share that which you have laid on my heart, Lord, that which I believe is helpful. And, Lord, may we as young adults and Christians in this room be changed as a result of your word. Lord, I ask you to give me the words to say. Help me to be filled with your spirit. In your name we pray. Amen. When we talk about being changed, and we've talked about it now for, I believe, about 13 weeks. Um, when we talk about that, one of the things that we have to understand is that change is something that can really only be identified by yourself if you are different. Are there other people who ha can recognize change? Yes, if you undergo some sort of extreme change, there are, there are people and there are others that will see it. But the truth is, is that change is something that is ultimately between you and God. Change is something that is ultimately something that is, that is going to be most evident in your own life. And sometimes as a Christian, and just really not even as a Christian, just as a human being, we fight spiritual change. Whether we do it knowingly or unknowingly, we have a tendency to almost put up a roadblock. Well, I'm willing to maybe change my diet. I'm willing to change my exercise. I'm willing to change my spending habits. I'm willing to change my mind about something. I'm willing to change my relational status. I'm willing to change all of those things. But for whatever reason, we almost tend to get stuck. We tend to stay where we're at spiritually. And one of the things that I have been so convicted about as I have both studied for this series and taught through this series is how little I even evaluate the change that is occurring in my own life. Is how, very, how rarely I consider and think to myself, am I becoming more like Christ? Since we've been teaching through this, there's been a couple of scenarios that has occurred in my life, and it's almost like I leave those scenarios and I think to myself, I could have handled that much more Christ-like. I could have responded to that much differently, and it's a, it's a proof of saying I'm not there yet. My personality type, Lauren says this all the time about me, but my personality type is I'm pretty cognizant of my own flaws and my own errors, Okay. I can, I can point them out to you. I can tell you, like, if you ask me, like, hey, what's, what's three things that you're working on right now? Like, I could, I could rattle off probably 25 things, but I could give you the three pretty quickly, okay? That's just, that's the way that God wired me. 
And yet what I even see in my own life is as someone who I can step back and I can say, boy, my schedule is not where it needs to be or, or my priorities are not where it needs to be or my, my health or my finances or whatever, they're not where they need to be. What I see is this, is that often Satan puts blinders on even someone who is so aware of where they're not at. Satan has a way of putting blinders on and saying, well, your spiritual life is okay. And in 1 Peter chapter number 3, I love the way that Peter writes to these Christians. He begins to give a list of practical, and obviously we know that chapters and verses are something that were added after the Bible was written, so those are man-made, those aren't inspired. But he begins to give a list of things to husbands and wives, but then he says this, finally, to everybody. If he was a southern, if, the, if, if your Bible would have been translated into southern, he would have said, finally, y'all, okay? Finally, y'all, here's what I need you to do, okay? He says to everybody, here's where you need to be at. And the next couple of verses, beginning at verse number 8 all the way down through verse number 17, are a great test for us to evaluate, are we changed? So I've pulled four of them, four evaluations out about change, and I believe that there's some cross-section of it throughout the passage. But the first of all, first question is this, do you display the mind of change? Do you display the mind of change? Look at verse number 8. He says, finally, be ye all of one mind. Be ye all of one mind. How many things occur in your day's time that influence your mind? That begin to sidetrack it, that begin to derail it, okay? It's almost humorous. I don't know how many of you have like morning routines or you have things that you, you try to do, but isn't it funny that how you can wake up one morning and maybe you went to bed at eight, maybe it was this morning, all right? You, you got that extra hour of sleep and you went to bed at 9.30, but it was really like you were going to bed at 8.30 and so you woke up this morning and it was just like, oh, I am just so rejuvenated. I'm just ready to take on life, all right? By the way, enjoy that when you don't have kids, okay? Like it's just, it's exhausting, so enjoy it now. But you walked out and you, you, put your, you put your coffee under there and maybe, maybe you told Alexa to play something, which if you have Alexa in your pocket, I apologize, just made her wake up, all right? But um, you told her to play some song and, and like you were getting ready for church and like things were just great and then you spilt your coffee. And so now you're, now you're running behind. And isn't it interesting the things that can just derail your day? You can have a great day. You can be sitting there thinking like, man, I got ready 15 minutes early. And then all of a sudden you get in your car and you got ready 15 minutes early, but like every good person, you use those 15 minutes to check social media and then you ended up leaving three minutes late, all right? So maybe you hopped in the car and now, now what was 15 minutes early? Now you're having to book it and so of course there's always some old person that's out on their nice leisurely Sunday morning drive and you're like, you're immediately not filled with the spirit because it's like, if you do not go, I will run you off this road, right? And isn't it interesting that it's just those little things that just, just begin to influence your mind? A spilt, a spilt cup of coffee, uh, get it running behind, an alarm clock that doesn't go off, someone who's driving too slow, someone who gets your order wrong at a drive-thru, okay? All of these things that are very much like not, I don't think they're persecutions of the gospel, okay? I love when people are like, boy, Satan's really fighting me today. And it's like, why is Satan fighting you? They didn't put Cool Whip on my white chocolate mocha. It's like, okay. I'm pretty sure you and Paul have a little bit different lives, all right? 
He was shipwrecked and stranded. You didn't get Cool Whip. I think you'll survive, all right? And it's almost like we allow the things of this life to make us and to cause us to not have one mind. And one of the things that I am beginning to even evaluate and see in my own life and beginning to see God work on is that how many things occur in my day that I do not come to them with the mind of Christ? That I do not come to them with one mind? My wife and I, we were trying to clear out a spot. We got a piano, I believe it was last week, so we were trying to clear out a spot uh, for our kids to practice the piano, and they need to practice. God knows that, all right? Um, Blakely has actually been the one who's taken to it more often, and she just runs by it, and she goes, and play it, donk, and it's like, bong, 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 all right? So, like, she play it, donk, all right? And that's what she, so she'll run over there, and she'll bang on it for a couple minutes, and she walks off, all right? But we were trying to sell some stuff the, to make space for it, and so we sold some stuff on Facebook Marketplace, and Facebook Marketplace is a blessing and a curse. How many of you know that, right? Like, there, you, one man's junk is another man's treasure, okay? But coordinating with people is, is just a nightmare, isn't it? Like, it, it's just so awful. And it's like, you get 39 te- messages about, is it available? And then it takes you three weeks to meet someone at Publix to sell it, all right? And so I remember we, one of the things that we had sold, uh, we had posted was like this little table and... Uh, it had just been a pain. Like, I actually had loaded. I had a Saturday morning meeting uh, the, the day of Harvest Festival, and someone said, like, I'll come to your church, and I'll, I'll unload it and stuff. So, like, that morning, I'm running out the door to, uh, to a meeting, and so I load it all in the back of the car. And then the person, I, I don't know what happened to them. They, like, fell off the face of the planet and, like, never messaged us back, all right, which is always a blessing. So now we're driving around town with this huge table in the back, and we ended up selling it. And so the person only wanted it dropped off on Sunday night before church, okay? Which, I mean, as church-going people, it's like, man, there could not have been a worse time. So we get there, and we're trying to call the person who wanted it, and they're like, well, just put it in this garage. And then they couldn't figure out how to Venmo it and all this stuff. And so it was just kind of one of those things where it's like, what is happening? And I'm so grateful that my wife, as she was talking to to the people that we were dropping it off to, she ended up getting to invite, it was, uh, it was actually, I don't know, they might even be here today, but it was actually a home of, of several ladies who lived there, and they had been looking for a church and a, a place where they could ride, some, ride a bus to church. And so my wife went and she got one of the tracks out of the car and she wrote down an address, wrote down the phone number, and we got the opportunity to invite, I think it was six ladies who lived there, six ladies who came to that church. And that's not a pat on our back because God knows that our spirit was probably not right before that, Okay. But what I'm trying to get you to see is this. What many times when we see as an inconvenience, and please listen to this, God sees it as providence. What we see as an inconvenience, God sees it as providence. And if we have been changed by the word of God and by the gospel of Jesus Christ, what we have to see is that we are called to have one mind, And just like Philippians says, it says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. I think that if Jesus were alive today, he would be amazed at the things that we consider an inconvenience that he saw as providence. You read through the Gospels and you see the times that Jesus went a different way. You think about the woman at the well. Jesus went an extra times journey, extra days journey, multiple days journey, so that he could go through Samaria to reach one person. In the book of Acts, Jesus, or the Holy Spirit, calls Philip out of a citywide revival to go and minister to the Ethiopian eunuch. 
He pulls him away from reaching thousands to go and reach one who was ready. And what we sometimes look at is, well, why, why did I have a flat tire today? Why do I have to take my car into the shop? Why did I drop my phone and shatter my screen and have to go to Verizon and wait for three and a half hours? Why, why, why? Those are inconveniences, but please listen. They are also opportunities for God's providence to show through. And a changed person is of one mind. Of one mind, and that mind is the mind of Jesus Christ. So first of all, do you display the mind of change? But then secondly... Do you display the compassion of change? Do you display the compassion of change? He says this in verse number eight. Finally, be all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful. Be courteous. He goes on to, to say, not rendering evil for evil, but contrarywise blessing. We go and we look at Jude 22. It says, only by some having compassion, making a difference. The difference is made not in our strength of our doctrine, not in how, how attached we are to truth. Please listen to that. Those aren't bad things. But the difference is made in our compassion. And a changed person's mind is not only the mind of Christ, but their compassion begins to show through. Their love for someone else begins to show and it is so easy for us to be frustrated because someone's not like we are. And please listen. It's easy for us to be frustrated because someone's not like we are. And rather than showing them compassion, we show them frustration. Rather than showing them the love of Christ, we show them the hatred of whatever, of flesh. I, you are so stupid. I can't believe that you would believe that. I can't believe that you would say that. I can't believe that you would act like that. And the, the change that has occurred in the lives of Christians is this, is that it is evidenced by compassion. Compassion for people who drive you crazy. Compassion for people who don't look, talk, and act like you do. Compassion for people who don't believe like you. I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to me, Okay. And if we have truly been changed by the word of God, it will be displayed not just in our mind, in the mind of Christ, but it will be displayed in the compassion that we have for someone else. And I want you to please listen to this. When was the last time that you showed compassion to someone who could give you nothing back in return? When was the last time you showed compassion for someone who could give you nothing back in return? And by the way, I'm not talking about necessarily the people in this room. It's easy for me to show compassion to the people in this room. Let's just be honest, okay? If I, if I just, hey, I was thinking about you today, like just wanted you to know, I was praying for you, and I sent you a $15 gift card, I know that I'm going get, to get a nice response back. Like, oh, my goodness, thank you. Lord knows I needed that. Thank you so much for the gift card. I can't wait to enjoy coffee. You didn't have to do that. Blah, blah, blah. You're the best. Okay. Like, I know that's what I'm going to get from the people in this room. But when was the last time you showed compassion to someone who could do nothing in return? A lost person, a coworker. Maybe you picked up a shift for a coworker. Maybe you jotted them a note to say, hey, I know that you're going through a difficult time. I wanted to give this to you. Sometimes that may even mean anonymously. Just saying, you know what? Was thinking about you. Here's, here's $50. Why? Because change occurs and it shows back up through compassion. Thirdly is this. Do you display the cleanliness of change? The cleanliness of change. 
Verse number 10 says this, For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil, and his lips that they speak no guile. Just this morning I was looking through some stuff and uh, I was checking some social media and I, I, hadn't, I hadn't checked anything in probably two or three days or finished something fully. And uh, I, I came across, uh, I think it was a highlight uh, of a sports thing, and it was a highlight of someone who had been no, has Christian in their bio uh, of their social media account. And um, the thing that they said in the midst of this highlight was, was, not, was definitely not something Christian. It wasn't something that I follow. It was a suggested post. And, and I thought to myself, this is someone that the world looks at and says, that's a good guy. Like, that, that's a good person. And yet, for whatever reason, we have gotten to the point in society and as Christians to where we think that it's okay for us to have Christianity on this side of our life and carnality on this side of our life. You cannot. You're exactly right. And so for us, what we have to say is this, is that change is not something that is just an external thing that well as long as as long as I'm in church, like I'm changed. Okay. Like I look great, I talk great. What does your mouth and the things that comes out of your mouth and maybe the things that you put into your life, what does it look like? Is it characterized by change? Do you exhibit the cleanliness of change? It would be strange for us to go and see someone who had, who had showered up and who had cleaned up and they just look disgusting, right? How many of you have ever, maybe you've thrown out mulch. I was going to say, how many of you have ever been a coal miner? But that would probably be none of you, right? <laughs> how many of you, maybe you've done some sort of dirt, dirt work, or you've done some sort of work to where you're like, you're just nasty. And it takes a long time for you to clean it. Like, it's discouraging when you step out of the shower and you're like, oh, man, my hands still look nasty, all right? When we lay mulch, yeah, I mean, the dye and that stuff, like, somehow it doesn't stay in the mulch, it just stays on my hands, all right? Like, it washes off the mulch in, like, two days, but it stays on my hands for, like, three months, all right? And so, like, if you stepped out of the shower, or you washed your hands, and you're like, oh, that, that's, that's not the way, that's not clean. So, so you keep coming back, you keep coming back, you, you work until it's finally clean, you, keep, you, you buy a different soap. We have this soap out in the shop that has, like, sandpaper in it, all right? So, like, you can put, you can put it on, and it's supposed to take everything off. It smells super good. I just like, to, I like the way that it smells, all right? It smells like oranges. But you would work hard to clean up and watch this. Sometimes as Christians, what we are guilty of doing is we're guilty of saying, well, it's okay that I'm not clean yet. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Well, he's been working for 40 years, okay? So it's time to maybe give him a break and you do a little bit on your own. We almost just think like, well, I mean, I, I still say a curse word every now and then. I still watch a show that I shouldn't, say, I shouldn't watch every now and then. I still listen to something that I shouldn't listen to every now and then. But change when it occurs begins a process of cleanliness. And he says that if you love life and want to see long days, you will, you will destroy the guile that is in your life. But then lastly, is do you display the hope of change? I want you to look at verse number 15 and we'll be done. He says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You can go through and you can probably find 15 more things that I believe are displayed through the, in the change of your life. But the reason why I wanted to pull this one out is, is this. There is so little hope in today's society. 
There's so little hope in culture today. There are kids who are at MTSU with no hope. There are people and coworkers at your job that with no hope. Well, I guess I'm just working to retire, and I hope that I have a, I hope that inflation doesn't keep going up because I hope I have enough money to retire. I've seen like 29 articles come across my email about can you survive on one million dollars of retirement anymore? Or do we need to be shooting for two million? All right, like just shoot me now, like honestly, like because I'm never going to get there. Do it, there's no hope. Like what everybody, the goal that everybody said they were saving up for of $1 million in retirement, like now it's like, well, can we survive on that? It's like, I don't know. Is Social Security going away? There's people that you work alongside of your job right now that they are making thousands of dollars and they have no hope of what is in their future. You have people right now that you maybe are going and you're buying coffee off of, you're doing, you're doing some sort of service with, and there is no hope. They're waking up every single day and they have nothing to live for. And please listen to this. The Bible says in verse number 15 to be ready always to give an answer of the hope that is within you, meaning this. That there should be people in this life that when they see the way that you are living, they want to know more about your God. They want to know more about your hope. And when people look at the way that you live your life, whether you're in this room and you're married or you're lost or not, I don't know if you're lost, all right, or whether you're married, those, those are your two options. You're either married or you're lost. I'm just kidding. <laughs> whether you're married or you're single or you have a job or you're in college, no matter where you're at, please listen to this. There should be something hopeful about the way that you're living your life. There should be something that is different about the hope that is within you than is what is within any other person. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to walk through those questions one more time with me. I know some of you need to slip out and that's fine. Well, thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Crosspoint Podcast. Remember to take a moment to subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And again, don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and tell others about this content. Remember, we would love to have you be our guest in person this Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. You can connect with us online at frbc.com and we look forward to seeing you again soon.